The following is a presentation of Real Racing USA. And welcome back to Inside Florida Racing. Good evening, everyone. And uh, we have a very special treat for everyone. We have a special interview this evening, special guest with us, um, Joe Rutman. Joe, welcome to Inside Florida Racing. Um, Welcome uh, to uh, Tennessee here. That's where I'm at. And what is the weather up there in Tennessee tonight? Well... It, uh, we were just talking about the. It's going to be a low of 47. That that's a tremendous difference between. It was 32 last night, so we have not escaped the the cold yet. So uh, I I do have the occasion to go down and visit uh, my brother and and uh, my mother-in-law, which both live in Florida. And geez, I hate to hate to leave. As a matter of fact, Joe, just so you know, um, you're speaking to us from our. Uh, we're speaking to you. Live from our studios atop the top of the Real Race in USA building in beautiful downtown Northport, Florida, and uh, I think you might have some uh, some knowledge of that. That's uh, my brother uh, lives in Northport, and uh, my mother-in-law lives uh, on Pine Island, and just north of uh, yeah. Fort Myers. So I I run between the two, and and uh, I'm jealous. <laughs> simple, I'm jealous. Yeah, it's, it was a beautiful day down here today, no doubt, man. It's great to have you on the show. Take it away, Rob. Yeah, uh, Joe, uh, my name's Rob Elting. Um, Rob, I'm yeah. one of the hosts on the show, and uh, it's great to have you on the show, by the way. It's my pleasure. Um, now, uh, we, we do a karting segment on our show. We do a lot of uh, circle track racing segments and a lot of different other kind of car racing, but we take... You know, 15, 20, 30 minutes out of the show every week, and uh, we talk about go-kart racing because it was such a big part of my racing career and uh, getting started in racing. And um, having you on the show, you know, your racing career spans over so many years, and uh, I'd just like for you to talk a little bit of uh, about um, your go-kart racing experiences uh, in the early days of go-kart racing. Well, you know, let everybody know karting is... Far and away, the greatest, I mean, backing up a little bit, tremendous amount of people come to me all the time, you know, how do I get into NASCAR? How do I, I want my son to race, I want him to do this, I want him to do that. My only recommendation to him is, he's young enough, put him on a go-kart, he'll learn all the driving skills he needs to advance him to that next level. So that's how important karting is to me and was to me from the time I started. I just didn't get as early start as some of the kids can today. You know, I was probably, you know, 13, 14 years old before I had the opportunity. You know, you know, karting was not big back when they made wooden wheels and stuff, so I didn't get that opportunity at a young age. Now, uh, tell us a little bit about the, uh, the early karting that you were in. Uh, what year were you racing go-kart? I, right at first, it was in, in the late, uh, you know, 50s, and uh, that's when Duffy, Duffy, Duffy Livingston built the first go-kart, and uh, that was uh, the big deal. 
And then uh, there was Faye and Tom Pearson built the bug cart and stinger and all the other stuff that they built. And that was my introduction to karting was when they first started. You know, they were on the West Coast, uh, Azusa, California. And, uh, you know, I, at that time I lived in, in the Detroit area. And uh, fortunately my folks had a, uh, a distributorship on many go-karts, Hornet cart out of Texas and and uh, go, never did have go kart, but we had Coretta kart, which was uh, Art Engels and Lou Borelli, probably one of the inventors of such a thing called go karts. So that's when I got started, and, uh, and everything was everything was two cycle. In other words, when I get close to, I don't want to advance too far, but when I get close to my brother now, you know everything is four cycle. Well, everything I did was all. You know, a four cycle was on a fun cart you run in the in the in maybe a parking lot, but you didn't race it. Everything I I raced was all two cycle. That would be the McCullough era, probably of two cycle engines. Right. You know, Power Products, West Bend. Uh, you know, the forerunners to the uh, the European engines coming in with rotary valves, and <clears throat> that's uh, you know primarily all I ran. You know, we had you know I. I had the occasion to dart cart, which was Mansfield, Ohio. Mickey Rupp was really a big manufacturer, and I had the occasion to be a factory team driver for him. And uh, I understand now he's in Florida somewhere enjoying flying airplanes. But uh, everything back then was all two-cycle. You know, we had either you had a single uh, McCulloch 6.1 cubic inch or you had a, a single, uh, a larger, uh, the, the larger Mac. 70s and all that sort of stuff, and I, I even run triple engine stuff indoors. I, I had a, we had a triple engine uh, uh, McCulloch powered uh, cart, which was a lot of fun to run. But you know, it just it was just totally a different era. And I, you know, obviously got away from it. I did I did not have any children uh, that was interested in karting. All girls, and they wanted to chase boys. So you know, obviously, when I made that next step into cars, I got away from carts. Right. Now, that step into cars, um, did it take you uh, a long time to uh, make this uh, transition into cars? It really didn't because you get all the basic fundamentals of driving with a go-kart. And, uh, you know, it was like, wow, everyone, you know, car, that's, that's no big deal. So that's why I say that I think anybody, I would recommend anybody that, you know, had a child that wanted to, become a race driver, positively, you know, start them on go-karts. In other words, I had a, a fond uh, dream when I was little. I, my folks didn't have the money. I wanted to run quarter midget. But I really don't think quarter midget gives you the, the, the total background that karting does. I mean, even though I would have given my left arm to have an opportunity to run a, you know, Curtis Craft quarter midget, you know, Looking back on it, that was probably a blessing because uh, I didn't get the opportunity. Right. So as uh, uh, time has gone on and, and you uh, found yourself um, racing in the late models and stock cars and stuff, how did you um, get involved in what we got became to known as the truck series, the Craftsman Truck Series? Well, I you know I started in you know like around Detroit and like what you'd call late models. They didn't call them back, you know, super stocks or something they called them back then. 
and I had the advantage maybe that a lot of young guys don't have is you know my brother was a famous race driver and so everyone thinks you got it in your blood so I I had the opportunity probably much quicker than anybody else that I I started you know at short track racing you know quarter mile three eighths and you know around the Midwest uh, for years and progressed up into cup and and uh, you know what scares a lot of people I, I don't like to tell everybody but my first cup race was 1963 at Riverside, California, and I raced against uh, Ron Hornaday's father. So uh, that gives you an idea, you know, how long my racing career in cars spanned. Yeah, um, you, you li- always like the road courses. Uh, I noticed that over your driving career. Why is that? Well, I'm sure it came naturally from karting. You know, in other words. Uh, you know that's the basic thing it teaches you is to learn a course, and I, you know, I think that was a big advantage. No one could understand because I was older when I come along. You know, I was older, and you know, people don't think of go karts, but go karts, you know, tr- you know, teach you all of the basics how to how to enter. Uh, maybe if you want to late apex and get across the middle, and and all of those things was was taught in karting. So I just brought that stuff along with me, and, uh, you know, that's where the natural uh, performance came from was karting. And no one, no, I was I was so old, everyone thought, well, you probably didn't cart, you're too old, you know. But, uh, you know, I didn't offer it to them at that point, but uh, now I'm at probably the other end of my career, and uh, you, now I can give people a straight advice. Yeah, you know, it, um, I'm hoping that my starting uh, experience that I had will transfer into my uh, my late model racing that I've been doing over the years. I'm, I'm not really that great of a late model racer. I've never won any big races, but, you know, I've raced quite a bit. I've raced at all the tracks in Florida and have enjoyed it, but I'm uh, looking to uh, get into this different series that turns our late models into uh, road racing cars. We'll get to run at Sebring and a couple of the other tracks here in Florida. So I'm looking forward to my go-kart experience at least uh helping me out in that uh well i think you know i think one of the things that to protect you you know and and i've been in and out of good equipment you know people have got to realize uh, the quick story i tell everybody you know if you think you're the world's greatest jockey and you go to the kentucky derby on a mule you're not going to win you know so you know there's a you have to keep yourself and absolutely the best equipment, and I think uh, you know that's mandatory. So no matter how good a driver you think you are, if you do not have absolutely the, the finest equipment, you know you, it's difficult to show what you have. That's always been a good excuse for me, Joe. <laughs> no, no, I, it's really no excuse. I mean, you look at uh, I had the occasion to race against. The first race that Kyle Busch ran, and it would happen to be in trucks, and I'd like to get back to the story how I got involved, but it was up in Chicago. The track's not there anymore. It was a half-mile track, very flat. And But part of it was that his brother come along, and, uh, you know, and so he got a chance to step into Roush's truck, even though Jack and I are not best of friends right now. You know, you know, he stepped in, and he had good equipment, tremendous people working for him. And as I recall, the first race the guy ever ran, 
uh, you know, uh, Kyle Bush, he could have won. Won, you know, they run him out of gas. If you know, in, in there's a guy, there's guys that come along like that. It's just got talent, you know. I mean, you know, but he had a good piece of equipment as well. And you watch him today in in, in the Cup races, you know, when you're got Joe Gibbs equipment or you have Rick Hendricks's equipment, you don't have second to none. So even though he's got limited experience, he is a tremendous race driver. But you got to remember, he's driving absolutely the best of equipment. So be careful when you put yourself down. If you had the opportunity to drive that, uh, you might be a lot better driver than you might imagine. Yes, uh, I always think so. <laughs> Joe, don't tell him things like that. Please, please, please. <laughs> now, Joe, uh, you talked about being on the other end of your career. I, I still think that we're going to see Joe racing uh, a truck or a nationwide car or a Sprint Cup car, right? What's going on? Well, we're working on... Uh, didn't have a lot of success at Bristol, but uh, is a local fellow that's wanting to start a team, and and right now is probably if he can financially weather this first initial, uh, you know, cost factor to get involved. Now would be a perfect time to start up a team, whether it be a truck team, if you're a, a low budget guy, uh, nationwide, and even even the Cup. You know, this is an an you know, magnificent time to start. You know, the economy being where it is, it gives a little guy a chance. Uh, they, they're cutting the practices, you know, the testing back. In other words, you don't practice and you don't have as much engineering thrown into the car that you would in the past. And you, you have an outside opportunity to come in, excuse me, and race with the guys. So, uh, so yes, I'm, you know, I'm helping a friend that I've known 30-some years and, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, uh, along the way, I've I've helped, you know, uh, other other owners, and you know, collectively help my career to keep it alive. And maybe this might generate some more racing for me. Joe, Joe, was there more that you wanted to say there about uh, about getting into the Craftsman Truck deal or the the truck racing career? Well, it, it, it come along, and you, you get, and I tell my wife, Evan a new wife of uh, three years and you know I tell her over my career you, you come and go you know you're a hot item you know sprint car drivers are the, the hot ticket for a while and then they're not and young guys and then old guys it's like a wheel it eventually makes a full circle if you can last and I you know you you're in cup you're out of cup you know uh you know, whatever, you know, make poor decisions on, I wanted to build my own team, which was a real mistake at the time. And I was out of a ride in 1995, and uh, the fellows that owned No Fear called me, and the Simo brothers, and they said, uh, we're going to build a team, and we're going to start racing this truck, this new truck series. And I thought to myself, pickup trucks, well, what a dumb thing to run, you know? But, uh, you know, I'm thinking, well, wait a minute, I'm sitting just about like I am now, and I'm, you know, unemployed at the moment, you know, and I'm thinking, well, this will probably, you know, last maybe two or three races, and I'll make a few paychecks, and then, you know, get me on to a real race. And, uh, you know, get into, you know, Bush at that time, or, you know, might launch back in the cup again. You just don't ever know. And I'll never forget, 
you know, I had never seen it on TV. I'd heard about it, you know, but just the idea of racing a pickup truck was just a, a dumb idea because when you think of a pickup truck, they're light in the back end and they're not aerodynamic and they're just not built to race. But, you know, I should have used my brain that you can put lead on the thing, you know, and make it weigh anything you want, you know. So, But I didn't think of that. We went, I went to Phoenix was the first race, and all of a sudden I realized, that Ford Motor Company was there, Chrysler was there, Chevrolet was there, and all had a tremendous interest because pickups is one of their major selling items. And at that moment, after one day of being there, I'm going, man, this is a great thing for me to be involved in. <laughs> and uh, and you could see with their backing in, in NASCAR being as strong as they were, they could, in fact, you know, get this thing off the ground, because at first I thought it was like a, you know, you think of a rifle in the back window and, you know, you know, some guy out in the four-wheel drive running out through the boonies, you know, not circle track racing with it, you know, but you could see right then and there that it was going to be a big deal, and, uh, and, and then once I got involved in that, I, you know, was more successful, but that end of the wheel, I was at the bottom side of the wheel, and everyone was looking for young guys, which is nothing wrong with that because they can hire them cheaper. They're looking for young guys in cup, so I'm thinking, well, the hell with it. I'm making a good living here, and I can win. And uh, I just stayed with it and uh, probably passed up some opportunities to get back into cup, not with good teams, because if you knew you didn't get in with a good team, no matter how good you can drive, you're not going to do good. So uh, that's the essence of how I got started in, in the, the truck series. Hey, Joe, when they were going to let you go to Daytona with those trucks, um, what was it like with the truck at Daytona the first time you drove it there? Well, they scared the hell out of me, I'll be right frank, because Daytona wasn't the first place we ran. You know, they they sent me to, uh, they called me, and I and they said, we're going we're gonna to go to Las Vegas. And, you know, I think the biggest track we'd run on is a 5.8 at that time, you know. And they said, we're going to test out in Las Vegas. And I said, guys, I said, you know, we're going to, we're going to run 150 mile an hour. And they says, oh, don't worry about it. They're going to, we're going to do a lot of testing. They're going to have, you know, a Ford team, a Chevy team, and a Dodge team out there. And, and we're going to develop what it's going to take to run on a big track. And I think, oh, okay. So I go out to Phoenix, fly into Phoenix, and they come from Detroit and, and uh, they unload the car, and I'm standing around baloneying with them, and the, the, the NASCAR guys are there. And, and uh, after about an hour and 45 minutes, I could, you know, I says, well, we're, you know, isn't Chevy going to come with a truck, and maybe Dodge is not going to come with a truck? And, and they says, no, we just decided, you know, we're going to let you do the development. And I says, well, well, wait a minute. I says, what do you think? I'm so old you can get rid of me, and it don't make any difference? Because no one knew what it was going to do. And, uh, and and I go, well, what's going to happen at 150 miles an hour? And they said, well, you're going to tell us. Wow. And, and I have to admit, I was a little bit apprehensive because you didn't know if you got it sideways, what it was going to fly up in the grandstand, what it was going to do. You were a test pilot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, I was a, te- I mean, you know, but I wasn't getting. That's a good way to put it. I, but, but I wasn't getting paid the extra for being a test pilot, you know. <laughs> but anyway. Long story short, I mean, I, I have to admit, I was real apprehensive because you just, 
just never been there. But we ran a little bit, and they played with a spoiler, put side windows in it, and we spent, I think, a day and a half or two days, whatever it might have been. And the track wasn't clean, so I was a little bit apprehensive about trying the high and low groove because out there sand blows over the track. But you could see that they were going to be they were going to be all right. They did the spoiler change and stuff like that. So to answer your question, when we went to Daytona, you know, it, it drove perfect. They put a big enough spoiler on it, and it uh, drove like an old Cup car that I've driven for, you know, back when, you know, when there was guys that. No modern people don't even remember, you know. All right, with well, like, You know, and that's how it drove. It drove just like the old cars did. Not the modern cars, but like the old cars. So in um, in running it there, and, and so it was pretty comfortable for you. Let me ask you this question: I, I know that you were racing at the time that Jeff Bodine had such a serious accident there. Um, were you right there in that action? Yeah, I cut down through the infield, dust was flying, and I thought, boy, I missed everything. And I saw a big object rolling or bouncing and crossing in front of me, but I missed it. I didn't think it was a body, but, you know, it was big, you know. Come to find out later, it was the engine out of his car that come bouncing across the infield. And uh, so, uh, yes, I was there and uh, just happened to be maybe through pit stops and stuff I was you know relegated to the back of the pack and but that was not a problem because you know I was driving on at that time a good team and and I wasn't you know just a a sequence of a sequence of you know doing pit stops and stuff but yes I you know I did tear the car up on the truck up a little enough that I could not do good in the race but because they told tore up the front dam and stuff on it that yeah when I later got a chance to to, I didn't walk up and look at the truck, but you, you could see when it got involved with the fence how what a horrendous crash it was. It was just phenomenal, and he was able to live through that. That video is still sure all over the internet out there, and uh, it is one horrendous. Uh, it's amazing that somebody could walk away from that. Probably the only two that I've ever seen. I was right there when when Mikey crashed at Bristol, and I was I happened to be there when I think it was Mike Harmon crashed at Bristol and and probably the cars themselves were probably torn up more because they at that time well especially Mikey's car because they were running lightweight tubing and that baby ripped right where the the A post come down and when I looked I heard the crash and I looked up and he's sitting with his legs out the front and his legs are on the racetrack, you know. And the whole front of the car was just totally gone, you know. Uh, wow. But it, it had light tubing and stuff, so that's when NASCAR started mandating heavier tubing and stuff because they are making it out of exhaust pipe, you know, to, to make them lighter. But that was some of the, you know, some of the, you know, that was probably one of the other things that happened in my career. We could talk about it for two days, but, you know, safety innovations and stuff that I've gone through that's just, just amazing. That's something that I wanted to touch on a little bit in talking about. The reason why I brought that accident up was uh, when you were talking about being a test pilot, um, I think that Jeff Bodine was uh, a definite test pilot, and I think the truck at that time proved itself to be definitely uh, a viable racing machine that uh, could sustain a serious crash. And I think with that crash, they also uh, developed things that helped keep the trucks to the surface a little bit better, right? 
Right. In other words, they actually, uh, if you look at the, really, when you when you see a truck without the body on it, from a distance, you don't really recognize a, the uh, the roof is that much higher. You know, the bars are that much higher because the rest of it is basically a Winston Cup car. You know, it has a little longer wheelbase, but only by two inches. So you, from a distance, you don't notice that. But I mean, I, I knew right from the start that it was a safe vehicle because on the inside, it, you, you didn't realize that you were running a truck. You just thought you were driving a cup car. But one of the things that they did come up with after that is they put some bars out there to keep the the trucks from running over another guy's wheel, which is what launched him up into the into the fence. Right. And that's in only the trucks have it. And in fact, I was at uh, uh, you know. A, fabrication shop down in North Carolina just the last week and he had a couple trucks sitting there and it reminded me of uh, the rule changes that they made loops to not allow one guy to jump over another guy's wheel to get him airborne and get him flying through the air now the cup cars they don't do that Ronnie Hopkins uh, you know was uh, one of the major builders in in cup and you know Bush as I call it you know and it's hard for me to say nationwide but and they built a lot of trucks too, but uh, so there was some innovations that was you know, come up out of that. Yeah. yeah, it's hard for me to get that Winston Cup out of me too, because I always say it all the time. I call it a Winston Cup car. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm quick to say Cup. I, I try to say Cup, and nationwide, I, you know, it's hard after you know 25 or 30 years, whatever it is, saying Bush. It's hard to get away from that. But there, but it, it's it's just amazing when you see. You know, all the stuff that's been, you know, I've had the occasion, you know, since 60, I won't say that word again, you know, that number, because it's pretty small. You know, from there to here, it's amazing, you know, what I've seen progress all those years. Well, because you have seen and witnessed so much, what do you think of the state of racing now? It's neat to watch, but way too expensive. I mean, it's yeah. uh, eliminated 99 and 9 percent of everybody out of it because it, it requires so much money to run them that I, I don't know. At the cup level you're talking about. I just, I, you know, that's the bad thing. You know, when you go back and, and you know, when you're connected to it, everything's hunky-dory, but when you see the cost, you know, when, when the big teams – are asking for $20 million to run a car, you know, there's just not too many companies around that have that kind of wherewithal. But it all starts at carts. It starts in carting. Yeah, there you, you go. Know, Probably, let me say this, and I know you guys are busy and want to do something else. To get people aware of the cost of cup, and even nationwide in some cases, a good friend of mine is Phoenix Racing, which is out of Florida down there. Yep. And it was at their shop just a week ago. And you see those carts that's setting, and those guys are setting on top of the crew chiefs and stuff like that. They call them all kind of things, but the, the carts that they're setting on, that cart, new, cost $100,000. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always so say. That, that has to give people that's listening a, 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 you know, even myself, I, I, I'm, I'm looking at that going, it costs how much, you know, and they just say it like, you're talking about buying a, 
$100 tire, you know. But anyway, they that opened my eyes. Yeah. It's still like that with late model racing today. When I go to a late model race, I race against guys that have more money in their toolbox than I got in my trailer, race car, truck, my whole rig. They pull a toolbox out that's got more money in it than what I got. And, well, uh, but it doesn't I, matter because I just enjoy racing. That was the thing. Uh, I always enjoyed racing, so I didn't care what I brought. I bought the brought the best thing that I could bring there, and every now and then it works out. Well, I mean, I mean, I still love all kind of racing. Today, I was at when you talk about late model, it brings back this afternoon. I was at Mike Alexander's, his boy. I don't know if he ever goes down to Florida to race, but he races in Alabama a bunch. They've got, he's got two right now, but. Granddad has bought him two new ones. He's going to have three late models. Clay Alexander's his name. His father owns 15 or 18 dealerships up around this area here. And Mike raced some cup, but he's, his boy's coming along. And I, when you're talking running a late model here, I walk into his shop, and you see a young boy, which is going to be a great opportunity for him. He's probably, you know, 21, 22 years old. And here, Dad, race cup, and uh, they they've got two complete cars, and they got another new one coming. And uh, Gramps is buying it and sponsoring them. Now, you know, when you go late model racing, it's really hard to to compete, you know, with somebody that's got that kind of money, you know. And and, uh, and they go test all the time, and and naturally, his his dad keeps him in absolutely the best of all equipment, so. That's why I, I, I started this conversation by saying you got to be careful when you when you go racing. Don't get discouraged because the equipment has a lot to do with the success you're going to have on the racetrack. Yeah. Speaking of equipment and success, you brought up Phoenix. Uh, what is old James Finch up to these days? I, I actually had a phone conversation with him in my younger days of first racing late models, trying to get in one of his rides. <laughs> <laughs> James is the one in LA. They broke them all. He just loves racing, and he spends a tremendous amount of his own money, a tremendous amount of his own money. In other words, that's his hobby is racing. I tried to get him to adopt me, but one of the problems I have that I'm older than James, and you know it's really hard to get Dad to, you know, you know I, I was willing to be adopted, but he didn't want to adopt a, a son older than he was. <laughs> I tried the same thing you did. I could see that, uh, I mean, it's just phenomenal the money he spends racing, but he enjoys it. He, you know, other guys have a lot of money. They they buy a lot of things, but the, what he loves is automobile racing, and he spends all of his money on automobile racing, and that's uh, anything he makes in the company, he pours it right back into racing, and he's been doing it for years. You know, I mean, when Purvis started, you know, and he had to race against Purvis, you know, they had all aluminum motors back then when they weren't checking them. And well, he was the one that come down that got me uh, wanting to do it. Uh, they had a big, big race in Ocala here when it was the asphalt track. Big memorial race they have here called the James Fry Memorial, and they ran it on a Tuesday. They'd run it on the day that the accident happened that the memorial was for. So if it fell on a Tuesday or Wednesday, Thursday, whatever. I remember one year they they're gonna have it first race on the asphalt going to pay, you know, 5000 to win or whatever it was, or 10000 to win on a Tuesday night. I right. was up there, I'm thinking, oh, it's going to be great. Okay? Nobody's going to be there. It'll be great. There'll be 10, 15 of us on a Tuesday night. We pull up there, and who's there? Purvis is there with three race cars. 
<laughs> but you know the good news about that is uh, I got him to give me a set of his tires that he practiced with because he had like five sets of tires they give him to come race there. He gave right. me a set of his tires, and I think I finished fifth in the race. And that was actually the first time I ever raced against David Rudiman was at that racetrack, Jack, for your information. Really? See, that's, you know, and that's what happens in, 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 hey, Purvis himself, I don't know if a lot of people understand, you know, Purvis himself is, you know, a pretty wealthy individual on his own. You know, I mean, he's from Clarksville, Tennessee, and and you think of, you know, what he does and stuff, but he he owns some big companies and he's worth a lot of money personally. So what money that James didn't pour into it, he could. So it's... uh, Again, you've got to have a lot of money. You know, when you see, uh, in, like we could talk for years, uh, you know, I just got done with three and a half years of all the development of the Toyota pickup trucks. And when you see Toyota, I had the opportunity to be do all the testing for the trucks. Did a little bit of COT work, but mainly the trucks. And you've seen the kind of money that they put into it. You know, the average guy just cannot compete against the engineering, the money, wind tunnel, uh, people. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Hey, so, Joe, is the average guy going to be GM and Ford or what? Or Chrysler? Are they going to become average guys against Toyota? They could be. If, if NASCAR don't watch it real close, uh, I told everybody when, when they fired off in, in the trucks, they kept saying, well, hey, you don't look all that. Good to me, you know. They don't look like they can win. I said, "Hey guys, they're they're throttling back like crazy. You know, they're just they're running on seven cylinders right now. They got. I mean, we went and tested, and I knew what they had. We I begged them to race. You know, I mean, I wanted to run, and uh, because I knew what the things would do. You know, it. Uh, you know, they just. You know, they they just throttle back. You know, the Japanese in general. They're makeup is not to come in and bully you. We're an American, you know, they want to punch you in the nose and knock you down the second they see you. Yeah, they're willing to take their time. Yeah, they, they're very patient. People. Yeah, they're going to take over very slowly. Right, they don't. They, I, I, you, I, my description of it is is they use water torture on you, you know, so it's not, it's slow death, you know, that's what it amounts to. And, and they just take their time. And, and uh, they, they're, you know, bow, uh, they're really nice, but uh, you could just see what they're doing. They just, they did it right. You know, I've been with the factory, Ford factory, the, the Dodge factory. I've really never done a whole lot with GM, but the other two put together didn't even start to come up with what Toyota did. And I, you know, when you see that from the inside, uh, you're thinking to yourself, man, I mean, how can you race against this, you know? And, and when, when I went out years ago to see the engine, you know, that was all developed by Formula One guys. You know, they developed, they designed the block on it and lightweight and durable. And, uh, I mean, just everything they touched was just phenomenal. So, uh, uh, you know, they knew what they were headed for. And, uh, and Lee White is really a sharp individual himself that kind of helped engineer and, and mold that whole program together. And, uh, and, and obviously you could tell, and, and even in Cup, when they finally give it to a team, I love Mikey to death, that 
you know, he, he, he'd be a lot, he's like me, he'd be a lot better announcer than he would racer, but, uh, you know, when they give it to Gibbs, you could see what Toyota had. And Toyota had that before, but they just, you know, they just didn't want to show it. So, so Joe, let me ask you, how much time do you, do you spend time in Florida a lot or a little bit? What, what, how much time do you spend down in Florida? You know, quite a bit. I, I go down to visit. Uh, now, we cancel out some visits. In fact, believe it or not, at the end of this, on, on my calendar, as I'm looking at right now, I have geared up to go down and, and my wife and I to visit her mother, and then I'd go up and see my brother Jim and his son, Jim, Jimmy, uh, for the next week. But because of the possibility of running Texas, which I crashed the thing at, uh, at Bristol, which eliminates that because they're over in the Carolinas fixing the uh, nationwide car now. But uh, we, we usually go down minimum of uh, four to five times a year for, uh, you know, anywhere between three to uh, three days to a week. Cool. So uh, we got, you know, I love the, I, I can't wait to, I'm already retired. Well, I shouldn't say that word. That's a nasty word. No, no. When I get old, I'm, <laughs> when I get real old, I'm already old. So when I get real old, I want to go down to Florida. You know. So. Yeah, I hear you. Well, I'll tell you what, man. We, we, uh, don't be surprised if your phone rings again here uh, this year. Okay, we'd love talking with you, man. And uh, I know that well, I can, we could talk. To th- there are so many things that we can cover. You reminded me of. Uh, one of our sister uh, shows that works with us, and uh, uh, we uh, archive all their shows, is Trackside Tonight out of Daytona. Um, and uh, Randy Dye owns the Dodge dealership over there. He's been doing a radio show out of Daytona for 13 years, and we work with them a bit. And uh, one of the shows, they just had uh, Morgan Shepard on a few weeks ago, and uh, I was listening to you talk about some of this stuff, and it reminded me a bit of the interview we had that they had with him. Is like, man, there's such a history here, and there's just endless amounts of uh, of, of stories, just interesting things um, that have happened in the history of racing. And, and you've been a, certainly not only been a part of it, but are still a part of it. And, and that was cool because it was, you know, uh, you know, we were at the, at the uh, chassis shop a week ago. We dropped ours off. An hour and a half after we dropped ours off, guess who pulled up in a pickup truck, pulling the trailer? Here comes Morgan. There you go. And unloading his. From Phoenix or from out west, uh, Las Vegas or somewhere? No, no, he uh, he busted up at uh, Bristol. Oh, I got you. Okay. And so he was bringing his into Hopkins to get it fixed, and we beat him over there. I, mean, I didn't know he was coming, but right. it was kind of funny that, uh, that we, you know, kind of come in and out of the same ride some of the time. You know, I, I drove for Kenny Bernstein the first time, first year, and, and he drove the second year for him. So our careers, you know, it's crossed a bunch. But I really never talked to him that much. I, I asked him some questions uh, when he was there. And as you can tell, I like to talk. But, uh, you know, he uh, he hasn't changed a bit. You know, he's, you know he, he enjoys roller skating, and, and he's just a racer. You know, and here he comes, I mean, all by himself, you know, pulling the car on a trailer. They they went out and helped him unload it. He knocked both ends of it off at uh, Bristol. And he's going, man, he says, I shouldn't have done that. He says, I'd already knocked the back off. He says, I was trying to slow down to get in the back so I wouldn't get in anyone's way. And then he says it was a big pileup, and he drove into it, and he knocked the front and the back of it off both, you know. So anyway, 
it's funny how you your life intertwines, and, and I still enjoy because I go from, as you can see, from short track racing, the friend that owns the, the, the you know, nationwide car bills cars for here in Nashville, late models, and uh, his drivers has now broke BW's record for the most wins. He's won 100 races up here, and, and so... Uh, daily, I get I get all forms of racing: dirt racing, short track racing, and cup and truck. And uh, so I, I, you know, I'm, I'm like a a guy on drugs. I'm high all the time, so I just enjoy it. That's okay. So is Jack. Yeah, we <laughs> we really appreciate you spending this time with us. And as I said, uh, your phone's gonna ring again. Well, I, yeah, uh, great, I, I hate I hate to take up all your time, but I no, this I, is great. It, it's like having all that information trapped in my little brain, and I go. I like to share it, you know, and I love go-karts. So when you talk go-karts to me, um, I don't keep any of my stuff that, you know, if you walk into my house, all the races I've won and stuff, I don't keep any reminders because I keep thinking you, you, old guys talk about bench racing all the time, what they did in the past. So I, told, I tell everyone I don't talk about the past. I'm looking at the future. So all my stuff, they say, well, where's your trophies? And I say, well, I, I give them away. And they say, well, don't you keep any? You know, I got... I got one picture in the house of my of my two brothers and myself and my father. This is all I have about relates to racing, you know. And they come in and they say, "Well, where's all your trophies at? You know, where's all the pictures?" I go, "They're in my head, you know. I I keep them right there, you know." So well, different Joe, people operate differently. Well, Joe, you keep your eye out for uh, one of our local guys here in Florida, Chris Fontaine. Uh, just got done racing in the truck series over the well actually today they raced uh, he finished 20th but um, if you happen to see Chris Fontaine out there you happen to meet him give him some words of advice because he, he'll need it over the years <laughs> okay I'll uh, uh, I'll have to do that because I still have a lot of a lot of friends in the truck series uh, Dennis Setzer is a very close friend of mine and Dennis and I always talk about uh, crew chiefs that we've had in the past and you know but anyway it's it, every all its forms of racing is is i have friends in all forms of the racing so i'll have to i'll, I'll get him cornered up and and give him some of my advice whether he wants it or not yeah. hey joe yeah, thanks thank, thanks so much okay. for joining us tonight on inside florida racing and we'll be uh definitely giving you another call this year and tapping your brain for more uh more insight into Great. racing thanks and a lot. Uh, thank you so much but uh